Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. Well, I'm excited and a little sad for this episode. This is episode number 12, the final episode in season one of Litcentric Radio. Now, the good news is this is just our first season. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to take a little summer break and get our texts and our lessons and our bridge charts all ready to go for season two that will be released in August, just in time for us to start up our new school year with a whole new group of lucky kiddos. So if you subscribe to Litcentric Radio on Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you'd like to use for your podcast listening, that would be a smart move because then throughout the summer when I make special announcements or bonus episodes come out or um, when I'm ready to reveal, you know, which episode or which mentor text we're going to have for um, season two, episode one, you'll know because it'll pop through on your feed because you subscribed. So I hope you'll do that. And I hope you'll follow me on social media at Litcentric and share the episodes that you love the best and share them with your teacher friends so we can all help one another. We got a wonderful rating and review from another listener. This listener is called B Hack. And the title she used for her five-star rating was fabulous. B-Hack says, what a fabulous resource. These quick episodes can be listened to in the car, while folding laundry, or during your prep period. Each episode can inspire your lessons in so many different ways. You can teach the lesson as explained, or take small tidbits back to your classroom and jazz up the lessons you already have planned. Great to share with your colleagues, too. Thanks, Julie. Thank you so much, BHAC. I agree. You can take the lessons kind of, you know, wholeheartedly and give them a try with your kiddos. You can most certainly take bits and pieces that will complement other lessons you've designed. I hope that you will do that. And you certainly can take these lesson ideas and apply them to many other mentor texts. So thank you so much for that rating and review. And I totally agree about the multitasking part. I don't think there's ever a time where I'm listening to a podcast and I'm not also doing something else. (laughs) So if you're, you know, cutting laminating, you're stapling packets, you're cleaning up your classroom, or you're at home, you know, you're cooking dinner, you're cleaning, you know, you're cleaning up, you're folding the laundry. That's the best time to listen to podcasts, in my opinion. I think it's relaxing and it's fun. So again, thank you, BHAC, for that fabulous rating and review. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at author's message. And you know, author's message is something that is pretty much everywhere, right? We know authors take a position. We know we have, they have, um, you know, things to teach us, things they want us to know about the world around us, especially in our narrative texts. And we also know that author's message can be very elusive for our students, especially the younger the student. So we're going to take a look at author's message today with the text, Stand Tall, Molly Lou Mellon. I know a lot of you love this book as much as I do. I remember being introduced to this book years ago by one of my uh, writing mentors. And any any book she suggested, I ran out and bought it, right? Because, you know, we all have that teacher or friend who just has amazing taste. And, you know, anything that they're going to try, you want to try it too. And so, of course, I ran out and bought the book. And I've used it for years for so many different things. One of the reasons I love this book so much is the main character is really unique. Those of you who know this book well know that Molly Lou is 
kind of like no other first grader you've ever seen before. And those of you who haven't been introduced to Molly Lou, you're going to learn about her when Natalie and I read the book for you today. The illustrations are really incredible um, in this text, and I absolutely love the different perspectives that um, the illustrator uses to really bring Molly to life. She has some really clear kind of challenges. I wouldn't call them problems because Molly Lou has such a positive attitude that she overcomes these challenges and uses them to her advantage. So she's a really interesting character that way, especially to be uh, specifically a first grader who does those things. Kids love rooting for Molly Lou Mellon, and I do too. I like to use this book for inferring author's message, actually multiple messages, by analyzing the actions and events that happen in the plot. So we'll use a story pyramid to help us accomplish this. Now, story pyramids are something that we actually talked about in episode seven using the text caps for sale. With this book, we're gonna use the familiar structure of story pyramid, but in a completely new way in order to dig deeper into our thinking. And for those of you who've used story pyramid a lot, like I did with caps for sale, you know, with a basic retelling and talking about story structure and how the arc of a story works and things like that. That's fantastic. You'll be able to dive right into this idea. If you haven't used a story pyramid before, I really recommend also listening to episode seven, just so you can see kind of the bare bones of how that structure works. Then while you're listening to uh, this episode, episode 12, you'll really understand the differences between the two different ways that we're using it and why we're using it in, in two different ways. I always love a great bridge chart and especially particular structure that I can use over and over again, kind of looking at at text and looking at literacy concepts through different lenses and from different perspectives makes my teaching a lot easier and it makes learning a lot easier for my students because I'm starting with something familiar and bridging into the unknown instead of starting with something brand new every single time, right? If I can if I can make connections for my kids across the year and across different texts, that's definitely something I want to do. If you want to try out this mentor text in your classroom tomorrow, I've got you covered. Log on to Letcentric.com and click the shop tab. I've got links to all the mentor texts and lesson ideas I feature on Letcentric Radio. You'll find downloadable text-dependent questions for your read-aloud lessons, writing tasks that reinforce deep comprehension, and videos that show the bridge charts that bring it all together. Check it out at Letcentric.com in the shop tab. All right, let's get into today's text with my favorite reader, my daughter Natalie. All right, what are we reading this time? Molly, stand tall, Molly Lou Mellon. Very good. Stand tall, Molly Lou Mellon. Oh my gosh, look how small she is. What do you see over here? A ladder. Why does she have a ladder? Yeah, she's so small. Like, she could be that small. She's so small. that What does that have to do with the ladder? She has to get up in bed. Oh, she has to use it to get up in bed? Yeah, that really reinforces the idea how small she is, huh? Molly Lou Mellon stood just taller than her dog and was the shortest girl in the first grade. She didn't mind. Her grandma had told her, walk as proudly as you can and the world will look up to you. What does that mean to look up to someone? Does it mean you actually look up at them or does it mean you admire them? Admire. I think so, yeah. So she did. 
Look at her. Molly Lou Mellon had buck teeth that stuck out so far she could stack pennies on them. <laughs> she didn't mind. Her grandma had told her, smile big and the world will smile right alongside you. Don't you just love rooting for Molly Lou? She's kind of everybody's miniature hero. I love that. And I love the fact that she really changes the mind of that student who's bullying and it turns out to benefit you know, not only the two of them, but all the other kids too. So it's kind of a neat, neat conclusion there. And I think it's really satisfying for kids to see that. So as I mentioned in episode seven, using caps for sale, we use the story pyramid to really map out um, the events in the story. We talked about how the story begins, uh, the rising action, you know, how the events um, and activities that the characters engage in start kind of building on one another and they're leading towards the peak of the story pyramid, the top point part, like the top of the mountain, which is the climax, you know, when the story starts getting or when the story reaches kind of that that peak excitement or, or interest point. And then the following action as we go down the other side of the pyramid back down to the ground where the um, we're working towards the resolution and then, of course, the conclusion is where that narrative wraps up to some degree and has some kind of, uh, you know, resolution for the character. Now, in Caps for Sale, we mapped out um, using images from the text, and that was usually the first way that I like to introduce Story Pyramid to students. In this case, we're not using images. We're using, we're using ideas that the students provide as well as ideas that we contribute because remember a bridge chart is supposed to be an interactive experience. Now, if you go to the shop tab on netcentric.com and uh, download the lesson example here, I've got um, the post-it notes that you'll need for uh, for this exercise. However, as with all the other Litcentric radio lessons, even though I'm providing you those things, these really are just kind of idealized examples of how a lesson like this can play out. And I know it can play out this way because I've taught these lessons many times before. However, now remember we talked about a really great anchor chart, especially a bridge chart has got to be highly interactive, which means that every time I do a chart like this, it ends up slightly differently because the students who are building it with me are not the same from year to year, right? They have different experiences, different interpretations, and they certainly have different language abilities that help them to describe um, you know, what's going on and explain their thinking. And so the language that I take from them, I take as much of their language as possible and add it to the chart. And then I also add in some of my own and enhance some of theirs so I can expand their academic language. So what I provide for you are examples of how that might go. Um, but also, please add your students' language to the chart. You certainly don't even have to use these sticky notes. You can just add your students' language right to the chart, but use these to help in your planning and help you realize kind of how the, the exercise plays out. But you can definitely use them and just add additional language to it because you really, really need to see your students' ideas represented in the chart. They need to see themselves in the chart that they're creating. So in this lesson... We do something similar like we did with Caps for Sale, where we actually do map out what, um, you know, what events take place. And we're doing it just through text this time. So it starts out, for example, um, you know, Molly Lou Mellon was short. She had buck teeth. She has a throaty voice and she was fumble fingered. 
right? Remember all those challenges, you know, that, that Molly Lou has that she really doesn't see as challenges. That's really how our story begins. Now you'll notice I'm not using every single one of those challenges on a separate sticky note. Because if I did that, I'd have 18,000 sticky notes on this chart and I wouldn't have room to do any of the analysis piece that I want to do. So I just lump all those together into one kind of statement, whether it's on a sticky note or I just write it down, you know, for students, we're just going to sum that part up and write it down together. So that's how our story begins. We're introduced to her, to Molly Lou and her challenges. As part of the rising action, we know that, uh, uh, you know, a challenging experience that happened to her was that she had to move away and go to a new school. So then we're going to have that discussion and map that out. We're going to talk about her experiences dealing with Ronald. Remember, we don't have to list every single one separately, but she does meet him. And we know some of the things that happened. Um, you know, he teases her and then she runs between his legs and scores a touchdown or she stacks pennies to, you know, show that her teeth are really great, right? So we're going to sum up again some of those experiences as part of the rising action. And then the climax part is where she makes that beautiful snowflake, remember? And everybody oohs and ahs. And it's the climax because that's the moment where not only does um, the class really fully appreciate Molly and her abilities, but Ronald does too. And so it leads to this turning point, which leads us down the other side of the pyramid into um, the falling action where Ronald actually gives Molly Lou that stacking penny. Remember, and he's really kind to her. And the resolution at the end, if you remember what Molly does, she writes a letter to her grandma and, you know, verifies, you know, her advice and, and kind of thanks her for that. So we map out, much like we did with Caps for Sale, except we're using text, and we go ahead and retell the story that way. But we are certainly not stopping there. Because remember, with this text, I like to talk a lot about author's message and or messages, right? Because most texts, I would argue, right, have multiple messages and themes and, and things going on. And so since we've mapped out the basics of uh, this story and the retell, now we're going to attach some language to each of those uh, significant events that we've mapped out because I want students to uncover what the author is really trying to communicate um, about those those events because something that my students, especially my students when I was a reading specialist and worked with our most struggling students in our school, most of them were not really fully aware that an author was the person behind these books making really important critical decisions about what is included in the book, what is, um, you know, what is left out, and how the words and ideas and craft is really put together. They just didn't quite appreciate all of that. They just always kind of saw a book as this standalone item that was dropped out of the sky and <laughs> like the stork brought it right and um, and they didn't quite appreciate that there was a real you know person behind making really important decisions so that's something I want to communicate here and I want them to connect with what they think the author is really thinking here and what the author wants us to think that's a really important lesson for students to learn and it does not matter how old the student is this is not necessarily a lesson just for young students I had sixth graders who were completely unaware of the author and never even gave, you know, the author a second thought. They always just looked at the words of the text and really ignored, you know, the fact or just really didn't quite appreciate the fact that an author really made, you know, critical decisions here. 
So that's what I want to communicate with them. So for example, when we talk about the beginning of the story, remember we mapped out Molly Lou was short, she had buck teeth, you know, she had that funny voice and she was klutzy, that kind of thing. We summed that up at the beginning. Next to that, kind of on the outside of this pyramid, we're going to attach some language to what we think the author is really communicating there. Why did the author decide to make her short, give her the buck teeth, that crazy voice, and make her fumble-fingered? What's really going on here? Because those were really important decisions the author made. And so some of the language we might use to attach to that is that, you know, she's a really different kind of a character. She's a really different kid. She's not like all the other kids. She's unique. Maybe she's even a bit unusual. Um, I might even add the word awkward. She's a bit awkward, you know, and even some of the images really express that in a very delightful way, but she is, she's kind of an awkward kid. So we're going to attach that language to those moments of the story so students understand, oh, there's an underlying message that's being communicated here about this character. When Molly moves away, we think about, um, you know, this is a really important kind of moment in her life, and what do we imagine is going on in her head? You know, how is she feeling? So we talk about that she's probably scared and maybe I might introduce the word uneasy because I know my students aren't using that word. They might say nervous, maybe, you know, she's alone or she's lonely. I even introduce words like apprehensive, right? Because again, my students aren't using those words on their own. So I'm going to introduce words like that. Um, another example was, um, you know, like at the climax when Molly Lou makes that beautiful snowflake and, and the author says, everyone oohed and awed, even Ronald, right? So we might attach some language that, wow, the kids were really surprised. They were really amazed, you know, what she could do. Um, they thought she was really impressive. And I even added, you know, that they really appreciated her kind of and, and what her gifts were to bring. And honestly, I think you can make the argument that the other kids in school appreciated her all along, right? It was really Ronald that that finally kind of came on board, and he's a really critical person um, to come on board. And so it's not just the fact that, oh, we want Ronald to like her now. It's that, no, this is really about, you know, her amazing gifts and other people recognizing those in her and the fact that she knew them all along. So we do that with each different kind of summed up element on our bridge chart. And I, again, I really want students to understand these were important decisions made by the author, and I want them to be able to dig into each of those through our conversations, provide me with descriptions with language that they have and they know well, give me the opportunity to add some additional language to associate with that so I can expand their vocabularies a bit, and then it's an interesting exercise to look at only those sticky notes or that language that's on the outside of the pyramid. What do we notice? Are there any themes that emerge? Are, are there any patterns that we're noticing? Are there any changes that have occurred in what, what we think the author is trying to tell us? When we map those out in a really concrete way, those discussions are so much easier for students. And we know that a bridge chart like this that's highly interactive and makes that learning visible actually increases students' comprehension and increases their ability to collaborate with one another. It increases their ability to um, negotiate and come to agreements. It's actually what I'm working on in my dissertation right now. So I know these things to be true. I've read the research and that critical piece of it being interactive and students seeing that their ideas and their language and their thinking is reflected back to them in that chart is really, really important. 
Now, for our last few episodes, I've tried to warn you about this episode number 12 being the last one in season one of Let's Centric Radio. But never fear, we'll be back again in August in time for the school year to start with a whole new season of mentor texts, bridge charts, and lesson ideas for you. In the meantime, I have two things that I'd like you to do. First, make sure, if you haven't done this yet, make sure you hit the subscribe button um, wherever you're listening to the podcast. I usually, I use, you know, my iPhone, I listen to Apple Podcasts, and I hit subscribe to all the podcasts that I'm really enjoying. The reason I do that is because I get the immediate download of the latest episodes, so I don't have to go searching for them. And uh, whenever I have a moment, like B Hack was telling us earlier, if I'm, you know, folding laundry or something, I think, oh, it'd be great to listen to something. I can immediately go and know that the latest show is waiting for me. Also, a lot of the shows that I like to listen to, like mine, happen in different season or different phases, and they don't necessarily come out with a new episode every single week. So it's important I subscribe to them because then when the new episode does come out, I don't have to keep track of that. My, my podcast features do that for me. So that subscribe button is really important. The other thing I would encourage you, you to do is to think about some of your favorite mentor texts that you love to use in your classroom. Either, you, you know, you're never going to stop using that text because it's so much fun and you want every teacher to know about that book, or maybe it's a book you've been using for a while and you'd like to freshen it up a little bit, or maybe you'd like to go a little bit deeper, you know, and provide some more kind of quality writing experiences and things um, around it for your students. I can help you with that. But the only way I can do that is if you send me the title of the book. So what I'd like you to do is email me at julieweb at letcentric.com and put the words mentor text in the subject line so I can easily see what the email is about. And then in the email, share with me the title of the book. Um, the author would be helpful too and any other information that you'd like to share. And I can't wait to see what you suggest. And I can't wait to dive into those new books. They can be, you know, an old book you've had forever and that you love. It could be a brand new book you just heard about or one that just came out this year. All those different ideas would be very, very welcome. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And I can't wait to get working on season two to bring you more ideas and to support more teachers because that, that's what Litcentric is all about. All right, we really will see you next time. Next time will be sometime this summer. Season two will come out in August. But remember, hit that subscribe button because there may be some extra bonuses and announcements that come out uh, throughout summertime before the new school year begins. I hope you have a wonderful conclusion to your school year, a wonderful summer break. Have a great day at school. It would really help out the show if you could leave a great review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the best ways for other educators to find the show. And share this episode with a teacher friend who you know could take the ideas and run with them. Or share this episode with a bunch of teacher buddies on social media. Every little bit helps the show, which means we can help support more educators, which is the whole point, right?